What up, what up, everyone? Welcome to the latest, greatest episode of the Nesson After Hours podcast, currently sponsored by nobody. So if you would like to sponsor us, go ahead. We are desperate. We could really use you and your money. So I am Emerson Lazia. That is Celie Godwin. We got some hella good guests today, don't we, young lady? Yeah, yes, we do. I, I love this top of the show. Thank you for, for telling everyone that sad story about <laughs> Not <ourselves>. a problem. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, it's championship weekend. I'm really hoping that uh, Chad Henney comes out again and just kills it, you know, starting quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs potentially. Hey, build the statue. Just let's go ahead and build just it now. Build please. a freaking statue already. No, championship weekend, the Bruins, they finally scored five on five. Uh it, it felt like 84 years, but they finally got it done. Uh, <laughs> it's been 84 years. Literally, it has been. Uh, Celtics, they got a big game tonight, so we're going to be talking basketball for sure. But right now, championship week, and it's all the rage. So with that, we welcome our first guest of the day, Will Blackman, a Super Bowl champion with the Giants. I have to say that really softly. Oh, no. I have to say that really softly, Will. Just be cautious. Here. You know how Wait, I'm, I'm, not the, I'm not the only guest? No, it's all your first two topics here. The the lead off (laughs) is where it's at. But uh, uh, Will, first of all, uh, I know that the Packers, that's the team that drafted you. So is that is that your Super Bowl favorite? Sure. If I had to pick a team by right, I pick Green Bay. But I have friends that I root for, too. You know, that's true. Like, I, 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 yeah, I, I talk to Josh Allen every week and I hope that he does well, you know, um Aaron Rodgers we're buddies I hope he does well and I also kind of want Brady to get number seven so he can finally retire (laughs) you want him to go away just get the seventh and go listen he's gonna play until he's at least 47 as long as his wife allows him to do so he he just needs to get seven and I kind of I fractured I was like okay what will be his motivation right obviously he'd be the first to have seven and then he win without Bill and also, he would win with another team like Peyton did. So I can see how there's a lot of factors in there. Yeah, like Torrey Smith last uh, back in late November tweeted out, Tom Brady is the GOAT, but Aaron Rodgers is a better player. I know it doesn't make any sense, but it's true. You quote tweeted it and said, it was way more terrifying playing against Aaron Rodgers. I know I'm not the only player who thinks this. So why is it more terrifying playing against him than a guy who has six Super Bowl rings? Um, because when you're preparing for Tom Brady, you're preparing for his entire team. I feel like, you know, the one thing that Tom has above everyone is that he probably knows your defense better than you. And yes, that is scary because he has seen everything, but he honestly knows your defense better than you. For example, uh, when, when New England played Jacksonville in the uh, AFC championship game, they were in cover three and he knows like in cover three, you have two outside corners, you have two flat players and two hook players. And he wanted, I believe, Amendola on a 15 yard dig route. And that's what he wanted. So Tom Brady knew there was going to be a guy in that spot and he knows it's zone. So you have to like have eyes on the quarterback. So what did Tom Brady do? He dropped back and he looked to his, he like jumped to his far left and I think, yeah, the linebacker ended up chasing his eyes and that middle was wide open. He just he just knows what the issues are. The scary thing with Aaron Rodgers is that there isn't one place he can put the football. I mean, it. I mean, 53 and a half is fair game. And he could put the football anywhere. He could be falling. He could be running. He, 
it doesn't matter. That ball is accurate out laser and it's and it's crazy. I, I I tell people in practice that in practice my rookie year, actually my first two years, we had Favre as the starters, and then the backup was Aaron Rodgers. So like we had live bullets all practice. And we were yeah. going to a lot of games where your starter was not better than our backup, who was Aaron. So it was it was wild. It was pretty crazy. So that's what I mean by it's scary just by Aaron alone, because you have to try to figure out how to stop him. And there's nothing like watching him and seeing that smile creep up on his face. And you're like, you know, it's over, you know, it's over when he's smiling. Have well, you ever seen to, him be well, so happy not, when he, he, when he's playing because the yeah. Packers just love to draft quarterbacks. Well, people need to know that that smile was the game was already over. Cause there's, there's so many like misconstrued stories. Oh, that was before the touchdown. That was before this. No, the game was done. So he like looked at the clock was like, okay, we probably have like two and a half minutes. This game is over. And he, and he smiled. Um, but it's, he's funny. He's a <laughs> Colin Cowher. Of course, he's a cow guy. That's why people kind of, he's witty. He, he could be sarcastic. He's a cow guy. And I get that with me. I guess I'm a BC guy. I don't know what that means. I'm a BC guy. So am I, am I witty and sarcastic? Sometimes? Yeah. It's your smart. That's what that's what it means. I mean, you're a New England guy, you know. At least you got to play with Matt Ryan, you know. Maybe a future future Patriots quarterback, Matt Ryan. We'll see. Uh, I, Will, do you have any idea of who who the Patriots might need to go to for quarterback? It's going to be a veteran. Draft one. It's going to be a veteran, no question. Tom, I mean, Bill Belichick has he has no time to be developing a quarterback. He's going to get a veteran. It'll be somebody. I don't know who. The best thing for the Patriots would be to get their damn players back, okay? Because everybody opted out. That's definitely true. <laughs> that is definitely, definitely first and true. foremost. That's what that's hard when you're when like the leaders of your defense are like, nah, you know, because of the situation, I'm not going to play this year. That's a that's a huge deal. Like Hightower and Chung alone, that is massive. That is hard to replace. But does that like having them? Does that result in like actual more wins? Do you think if they're in there, do they make enough of a difference to win an no, extra game no, or two? Because you you still have to have weapons and produce an offense. And, uh, and yeah, as many as many of the excuses we can say for Cam, like yes, they didn't have the it was new offense, new no off season, didn't have you know a lot of weapons. A lot of them were hurt. I get that, but there are a lot of times where you know, he threw some like terrible passes, you know, like there's still basic football things that you need to execute in order to play well. And and he, a lot of things he did it. So who knows, you know, maybe they bring Cam back, but everyone says that it's not going to happen, but. Mm. That might be a little hot take there, Emerson. Just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Real quick, before we go into some other questions from around the league, uh, you were just talking about weapons that the Patriots need weapons. Seems like, Tom Brady has a ton of them. So obviously they beat the Packers early on in the season, pretty handily 38 to 10. How do you see this matchup shaping up? And it looks like it's going to be like 28 degrees, some snow, maybe some wind. How do you see this matchup unfolding? Uh, I see it. Honestly, I see it pretty, pretty even right now. I know right now, based on the, on paper, the names that are attractive, you know, are his receivers, but overall, I mean, Green Bay has the best offensive line. You know, he's a pro bowl running back. He has an up and coming uh, rookie in AJ Dillon. And obviously Aaron's the, the MVP and Devontae's probably the hottest receiver, you know, in the NFL right now. So, and then on defense, you know, you have a really good pass rush. You have some smart linebackers, you have an up and coming safety and Savage, and you also have 
uh, Jay Alexander, who's, a, who's an all-pro corner himself. So that's just Green Bay alone. So I can see this a really, really interesting matchup. It's, I think it's going to come down to uh, what's going to happen with the running backs. They're going to be really important in the passing game on both sides, you know, with Leonard Fournette and, and Rojo and also on the Green Bay side with Aaron Jones. So I think it's going to be a really key matchup with linebackers versus the running backs. I think that's what's going to be interesting. Will, thank you again. Thanks, we'll, dude. we'll chat soon. If you guys ever need any wine suggestions, hit them up. Give them a follow. Oh, Will Blackman, thank you so much. <laughs> All good. Thank you. Adios, ma'am. Yeah, we've Adios. got uh, we've got some uh, hoops to get to now. Yes. Green, green Teamers. Basketball. Let's go. Green Teamers, rejoice at your boy, Mark D'Amico, on the horn with us, analyst and reporter for the Celtics. What's up, dude? I'm just trying to think of how big of a drop-off this is going from Will Blackman. And, like, this, no. he's, he's telling stories with Brett Favre and talking about his wine club. and Like, I got nothing, man. Like, this is – I'm sorry. Okay, I'm well, apologize we can up front. We can wrap with Mark D'Amico right now, everybody. It was great to have you on. The <laughs> We're done. Uh, hey, oh, dude. So, no, man, no, no Jason no, Tatum tonight, man. Uh, Right. No, Jason Tatum tonight. No, announced yesterday. He's out. Um, I mean, he's back practicing, but he's he, – Brad Stevens has said, like, very clearly, someone who's playing 35 minutes is going to take a little bit to get back on the court after he's out for yeah. the COVID stuff. So, hopefully hopefully next game he'll be back Monday. I think it's in Chicago. So, hopefully okay. Monday. Oh, no, wait, Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, They're at home yeah. Sunday night. Yep. All these games getting shuffled right now. It's been yeah, wild. Yeah, how how do you defend Joel Embiid? Do you have an um, answer for I, us? I think we learned you don't if you're the Celtics. No, I mean honestly, like the guy's playing at an MVP level. I think you got to have a particular type of player. In fact, maybe his teammate might be a good person to have Dwight Howard to defend a guy like that. But there aren't many. Like you, you think about the NBA, the last like five to seven years has gone so small. There aren't that many people in the league who can defend Joel Embiid. That's why he's playing at an MVP level. So. I mean, Tristan Thompson and Daniel Tice are really good defenders. They're just not big enough, I think, to slow him down. So we'll see tonight if they make an adjustment, um, try to trap him maybe a little bit more, make the other guys beat him. But I don't know if the Celtics can defend him one-on-one. He's just – he's gigantic. And he's yeah, playing with skill this season. So It's true, it's man. He's at the free throw line like a bajillion times a game too. But th- but this is like another big opportunity for Jalen Brown to kind of build on, on this career year. If I feel like he's having – uh, what have you learned about his game throughout this stretch, especially the stretch without Kemba and the stretch without Jason? Because it feels like his game has like ascended at this ridiculous pace. Yeah, it's it's actually insane. I, I look back to when the Celtics drafted him. I was talking to a pretty well-renowned college reporter, uh, and he told me the sources were telling him that there were concerns about Jalen Brown caring or caring about the stuff off the court more than the stuff on the court yeah. and that he wasn't going to like work hard enough to turn into the player that he is. And now I just laugh at that conversation because <laughs> like he's gotten better every single year. And, and that doesn't happen to a whole yeah. lot of players in the NBA. He just keeps getting better. And this year, you know, jumping into that role, like you talked about Emerson of kind of being like the go-to guy while Tatum's been out or at least one B while Tatum's mm-hmm. in and, and Kemba's been out. He's reading the defense better. Um, he's, playing downhill like he, he just wants to get to the rack and put pressure on the defense so he's just he's taking that role on and he's running with it and he's gonna be an all-star like there's no question about it. as long as yeah. the Celtics continue to win some games and they hover you know at about the pace that they are right now 
he's going to be an all-star. And if he's not, something's wrong. Something mm-hmm. is definitely wrong. Uh, <laughs> to see Tatum Brown and Walker back in a lineup for the first time this season, uh, do you sense that there may be a little bit just kind of feeling each other back out again? How do you think the chemistry will be there? Uh, when I think they get back Ke- together? Kemba's got to feel himself out, right? Like, he hasn't played really since the bubble. Like he hasn't been able to even like practice with the team live. So imagine just like coming off the street and then going right into an NBA game. I mean, obviously he's practiced by himself, but the team hasn't practiced that much for him to be like live action going up and down the court. So it's going to take a little bit for him to get his rhythm back. And I think in the, in the end, it's going to be fine. Um, All of the guys in terms of Brown, Tatum, Kemba, all three of those guys have been, both the go-to person at times. Like you said, Jalen Brown's finally felt that this year. And they've also been like third or fourth on a team. So I think they're going to be fine. Uh, Kemba has already played off of Tatum and Gordon Hayward last season. So I think he's going to be good. He's just got to get his rhythm back. Um, And I I think they're going to be good in the long run. It's just a matter of does the bench continue to play well enough for them to win at a high level? Yeah, and when Tatum does come back, I mean, he comes back at least currently as the seventh highest scorer, like in the NBA. How do you feel like he can put himself in the MVP conversation? Is this the season that he does that? I don't know if it's the season that he does that. I, I mean, it's possible. I mean, he he crept into it last season. He got a vote, and when you get a vote, you know you're in the upper echelon of of NBA players. Um, but you know, if he gets there this season or when he gets there in the future it's going to be because he gets to the line more often. Like that's the one thing that I want to see from him and actually Jalen Brown is get to the line more often. You see, why is James Harden an MVP and Giannis Antetokounmpo an MVP? They get to the line, right? LeBron's always gotten to the line. So you've got to get there like at least five times a game. I'd love to see six, seven, eight attempts a game out of those guys, especially Tatum if he wants to get into the MVP conversation. But um, that's number one. And then number two, the team's got to win. So um, that, that is partially on him, but it's partially on the rest of the guys as well. So if he's going to get there, give me the free throws. I need the free throws. Mm-hmm. Send him to the line. I uh, know. With, like with Joel Embiid. Was- Learn from Joel Embiid, right? That's all he does. <laughs> well, I mean, how is he so effective? Because a lot of people were upset about that. But if you look back at some of those calls, it's like, yeah, you should be getting sent to the line for that. Like, why is he so effective at pulling that whistle? Because he's enormous and the Celtics <laughs> don't have anyone who can stop him. I mean, think about like, I've gone out on the court a couple times and, and played like pickup with Brian Scalabrini and like, or, or a couple of guys who were weird flex, Mark. Weird flex, buddy. No, no, yes. no flex, no flex because I would like try to stop. And like, I feel like I'm a pretty strong dude. I played football in college. Like I've been an athlete. I've been working out my whole life. Flex right now. <laughs> no, but I, I played football in college, but I didn't really play, but at least I was like on the team, but I'd, 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 I'd go up against him and he would just walk me back like I wasn't even there. And I feel like that's what Joel Embiid does to anyone who defends him because no one's strong enough or big enough to slow that dude down. He's just no. gigantic and he's, he's like a 1990s center who can also shoot threes. And there's not many 1990s centers in the nope. league right now. No. Wait, wait, dude. So you played football at Ithaca College? I played. He puts okay. it in quotations. Yeah. No, I, I was on the team. I didn't play a whole lot. I love that. Do you have any safe for work Cortica Jug stories to share with us? <laughs> <laughs> safe for work. Uh, I'll give you one. Um, okay. My, my freshman year. 
So my brother was a senior when I was a freshman. So we got to play yeah. on the same team for a year. Just, just real quick for everyone listening. This is like the major rivalry, like upstate New York between Ithaca and, Court- and SUNY Cortland. So to put it in perspective for like Seals, this is like the Gators and like and Seminoles. Seminoles. You know what it's I mean? Literally like the biggest division three football game in the country. It yes. was played at MetLife Stadium um, last season when they played. So that was awesome. We went down there set a record for most fans at a D3 game. But anyway, we digress. My <laughs> freshman year when my brother was a senior um, and like the starting center on the team and whatnot, I come in and I know I'm not playing, right? I'm not playing in the Cortica game. So I go out the night before and we weren't supposed yeah. to, and you know, all that stuff. So <laughs> I actually a bunch of my buddies came up from my hometown and we all went over to Cornell, which is also in Ithaca. It's right there. Right on went the out to a frat party and got a little wild and came home at, I don't know, three in the morning. Had to wake up, be out on the field by like 1030 for like warmups. And I'm going out there and I was a linebacker and we're running our drills and, and the coach was like, all right, this way, this way. And we're like backpedaling. And then he throws the ball up and you have to catch it. Yeah. And so I'm backpedaling, throws it, and I jump up, and I just land on my back. Because <laughs> I, was, I was still a little inebriated at that time. I don't think I was ready for a football game. Um, but, I, you know, I knew, I knew my place. I knew I wasn't playing, so I was going to enjoy the spirit of Cortica, which is less of the football and more of the party. Way to have faith this in just, yourself, this Mark. This just made my day. <laughs> Yeah, you're like the John Daly of D3 football. John Daly was always, said he always shot like his best rounds of golf when he was hungover. And look, turns out you had the best warm-ups when you were hungover. Yeah, and you know, I had, a, I had a John Daly over on the sideline. You know, a little bit of lemonade, a little bit of iced tea, and then a little bit of vodka, right? I, I had that in my, in my jug. I wasn't eating soup like, like Will was just talking about coming out at halftime. I was drinking an, uh, <laughs> an Arnold Palmer turned into a John Daly. Well, yeah, it's like the story of uh, Max McGee there staying out late the night before Super Bowl one and catching the first Super Bowl touchdown when the starting wide receiver went down. So. Yeah, I, I didn't. <laughs> That's catch you, that. man. <laughs> Guys, I do I, because we, we brought up John Daly and this train has really gone off the rails here. So I'll yeah, just continue. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I have a really good John Daly story. Um, well, I, I was covering him at a tournament in Madison, Wisconsin once, and he was trying to avoid the crowd of people. Um, so he hopped in his cart and tried to drive basically to, to the greens, just going through some rough. Well, he didn't realize that underneath these like bushes were rocks. So he just stuck himself on a rock, his <laughs> cart in between two holes. And they had to like get someone to lift the cart over. Did he get a DWI? <laughs> Who <Dude>. knows? <laughs> um, I caught him at the turn and I was like, <laughs> Uh, hi, John, can I get an interview real fast? And I was like kind of a young reporter at the time. So I was a little bit nervous and he lights a cigarette. And he's like, yeah, go ahead. I love interviewing it. Him while he's smoking a cigarette. That is my, my, one of my favorite stories to tell John Daly at the turn he was gracious enough to give me an interview, but he's going to smoke a cigarette while doing it. Well, yeah, one, sport, it. one sport where you can smoke a cigarette and still be fine. It's golf. Yeah. <laughs> And crack open a beer, yeah, for sure, man. Might be the um, only. One. Do you guys want to talk hey. basketball? Wait, no, what? I'm just yeah. From hey, hey, wait, wait a minute. From one, from one, like Hall of Famer John Daly to another, and and Peyton Pritchard. How much of your oh, expectation? Yeah. How much of your expectations changed for him? 
Wow, you've been great, man. That, talk so about nice. a transition right there. Wow. I'm the Segways on fleet. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Peyton Pritchard, right? When the Celtics drafted him, I was like, okay, 26th overall pick, four years at Oregon. Like, I remember him from his – his run with the team to the final four when he was a freshman. I didn't even know he was a senior because he kind of like Oregon wasn't that great the other three, three years. And so I'm like, okay, we'll see what he turns out to be. Then I start hearing some stories. Um, Wick Grosbeck has told the story that on draft night, when Danny Ainge made the call to, to call in Peyton Pritchard's name, after he hung up the phone, he had the same look on his face as when he acquired Rajon Rondo on draft night and he was like he wick was just explaining this like giddy look like he, he thought he got a steal at that point of the draft and i'm like okay this is before <laughs> hit the court i'm like you know i'm not necessarily expecting him to be rajan rondo and he isn't but over these first 10 12 games like he has blown me away with the yeah. way that he knows the game. And it seems like he's been in the league for like eight years already. Like he wild? always knows where to be, where everyone else is going to be. And he knows how to make great decisions. So, and he's shooting the ball lights out. He's shooting 50% from the field, 40% from three. So 90% from the free throw line. So if you get that out of a rookie who's not turning the ball over, I mean, that's a win, especially at 26. Yeah, Celia and I are huge fans of this kid. This is a Peyton yeah. Pritchard stan account now. Because no, we love I, this guy. Is. And here's the thing, though. I have tons of friends that covered him at Oregon all four years. So when they called his name on draft night, I immediately got dinged from all my friends out at Oregon. <laughs> and they're like, this is, this is a great pick. You're going to love this kid. He's going to work hard. He's, you know, he's not going to make excuses. This is a worker. And I, I'm just a fan of any player that's just going to like be a grinder. Who's just going to be there and just work his tail off. And I've seen that I've been impressed with it. And the numbers are showing up. The minutes are there. Yep. Um, uh, the craziest part work. about it with Pritchard is that like the expectations were like exponentially lower for every single rookie because True. no summer league, like barely any training camp. It was all, it, it was all shortened. You only get two preseason games. So I just – I did not expect anything out of rookies. Mm -hmm. Like Aaron no. Neesmith, him, like Anthony Edwards, like no one should come in and be able to play at a high level. And he's done it from the very start. I actually just got back into card collecting. I, I know a lot of people around our age have done that. Dude, one. it it's a business just exploding right now throughout the world. But like – so many of us have like gone back to our parents' house and like, oh yeah, I got a bunch of cards and like dig through and see if anything's worth anything. I just bought a pack or a box, a hobby box of, of rookies for this season. I got two Peyton Pritchard inserts. So I'm hey, good with it. I'm, I'm not keeping one, two. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be <laughs> so rich in like boys. 60 years. I mean, yeah, Peyton Pritchard is going, he's, he's going to be better than Michael Jordan. There's no question. So if I just keep those cards... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh since, God, since we're, we're talking about, you know, championship mentality uh, here with MJ, uh, what is the biggest obstacle standing in the way of the Celtics raising banner number 18? Well, I think it's just a, right now, I think it's the bench scoring. Uh, obviously, they, they have their big three in terms of putting up, putting up points offensively with Jalen, Jason and Kemba. But 
I think you need more than that. And the Celtics do have more than that. They've, they've got some really good role players, but it would be great if they had just a knockdown elite shooter to surround those guys. Like if you look around at all the teams that they have success every year, they usually have that guy who are always going to draw attention, which when that person draws attention, there's more driving lanes for the, for the other guys who are the top scorers. Um, I love that the addition of Tristan Thompson. I think he brings something the team didn't have last year, especially when they play against, um, you know, teams like they have Giannis Antetokounmpo. We hope that he's going to be a better defender against Joel Embiid than the Celtics have had in the past. So uh, I really just think it's really getting some knockdown shooting around their top players. We'll see if that happens uh, maybe at the trade deadline, maybe on the, on the buyout market. Um, or maybe the guys who are on the team step up and deliver that at a higher level. Uh, but they do have that giant trade exception. So I think everyone in Celtics nation is like anxious about what's going to happen with that. Um, are they going to use it at the trade deadline? Are they going to use it after the season? Who knows, but it opens up a lot of possibilities of guys that they could add uh, to make this team even better. Uh, Mark D'Amico, it was good talking to you. And for everyone listening, you can't see us, but I promise you, we both have the same barber, which is why we are both extremely <laughs> handsome. I got to make sure to actually soon. I haven't been back since I texted you. Did you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Bo, Bo has been missing you. I want you to know that. So, uh, I will let him know you say hello. I see him way too often. I like how he, when he shaves my neck and stuff, you know, cause I'm very, you like that, that. Do you? Yeah, I, I mean, I got the I same look really on my face right now. <laughs> this is amazing. When he massages my head, the conditioner and everything. Right, I'm going to go now. This is getting <laughs> All right, man. Really Mark, love you. <laughs> Later, buddy. Mark, thank you. See you guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> Why did we wrap on such a high note? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, it wasn't getting awkward at all. Uh, speaking of not awkward, uh, Bruin scoring five on five. Finally. time. Even strength goals, they're now flowing for the Bruins. Uh, what, did, what did you think about that uh, shootout overtime win? Yeah, it was uh, it was really nice to. I mean, it took them three periods for the offense to uh, to finally show up. But, but it, it was like Andrew, it's like Andrew Raycroft and all the analysts have been telling us through the first three games. When it shows up, it's going to show up, and hopefully it'll arrive. And hopefully David Posternock will return, which he's ahead of uh, head of schedule, I guess, in his recovery. So hopefully we'll see him sooner rather than later. And then, you know, Tuca, while giving up four goals there in uh, regulation, it's all good. Still what he didn't, yeah, what he, what he did in overtime and, and the shootout was, was incredible. And that's why, uh, that's why he is elite. I mean, I, I cannot wait until there's fans back in TD garden because in that overtime and in that shootout, his saves would have just ripped off the roof. Like the, the, the fans would have gone nuts and the fans deserve to see that. And I know the players, deserve to see that too they, they want those fans back in those stands it's coming guys i promise it's gonna happen sometime this year uh we, we all need this uh but uh we're gonna wrap it up here two yeah let's do it today two great topics championship weekend looking forward to that um just gonna be exciting games all the way around so yeah i'm looking forward to this weekend all right, girlfriend. Well, uh, yeah, good stuff. Thanks, everyone, for listening and hanging out with us today. We are back next week on the Nest and After Hours podcast. For Celia Gavin, I'm Emerson Lonsdia. Peace out, Cub Scout. Mm-hmm.